1: Hello, lovely On The Edge with Andrew Gold listeners. Hope you're all well and enjoying the show. It's been running now for 15 months and I've been overwhelmed by your response to the quirky, intriguing and impressive guests I've been lucky enough to have on here. Today, I'm treating you to a free bonus episode with the eminent linguist, John McWhorter. I do these every week alongside the podcast. They typically last between 10 and 20 minutes, so it's perfect for those of you who find yourselves wanting a little more after each episode. Today's one is just 10 minutes long, so is among the shorter ones, but also one of the most fascinating because John McWhorter is amazing and talks here about tribalism, virtue signaling, the word motherfucker, and much more. Typically, these bonus episodes are behind a paywall for members, and I would love for you to sign up on patreon.com slash andrewgold or Apple podcast subscriptions. But firstly, thank you so much to those of you who have already done so. At the time of speaking, there are 60 of you on Patreon, 20 on Apple, and two on YouTube memberships, all places where you can sign up for £3 or $4 a month. With that, you get not only the bonus episode every week, but also early access to the full episode every week as well. It'll come out between Wednesday and Friday the previous week with no ad breaks. On Patreon, there are higher tiers too, including one tier for monthly group Zoom calls I have with some listeners to discuss that month's podcast. I love our little group. It's quite intimate and nice, so feel free to join that. That's on patreon.com slash Gold. So, Here I'm going to be really honest and open with you, perhaps more than I should be, I don't know, because that's the only way I know. Um, There are two ways that podcasters typically appeal to their audiences to sign up to their memberships. The first one, which is not my favourite but can be effective for certain listeners, is to thank you for supporting an indie podcaster. I don't know if you've read about it, but there's been a lot of noise coming out of the podcast industry about how A-list celebrities are dipping their toes in the podcast game and squeezing out us indie or independent podcasters. It's becoming harder and harder to secure sponsors who are distracted by the big name celebs. In the interest of being totally, totally transparent with you, my listeners, and because people often ask and are intrigued, uh, right now I make about £600 a month, or $800 a month from the podcast, which is a full-time job. One third comes from host-read adverts, one third comes in from the automated adverts, and the final third from paying members. I'm also humbled and amazed that I'm able to earn anything at all from doing what I love. It took about a year before anything started to come in, and I was just flabbergasted that I get to do this and I get to earn money from it. And That said, if everyone who listens tipped a couple of pounds or dollars a month as you would in a bar or cafe I'd actually be an outrageously wealthy person the reason I don't like that way of appealing to you I've just done it and I'm going back on it now is because I'm aware that times are tough for everyone and there are way too many things out there that you're already paying for Plus, the last thing I want is to lose anybody as a listener because they start to feel guilty. That's not a very attractive quality in a podcast, one that makes you feel guilty. The fact that you listen at all, the fact that you might talk about it, you might tell friends, that contributes hugely to the growth of the podcast. And that's been the main driver behind the growth of the podcast this last year or so. So I'm endlessly grateful that you listen at all. The second way to reach out to you makes me much more comfortable and I believe it's typically more effective, it was favoured by neuroscientist Sam Harris and his podcast, is to reach out to you about the value you'll get from signing up. And I have to do it without sounding too much like a commercial. So many of you have gotten in touch to say each week leaves you wanting a little bit more. Well, it works out at about 60p or less than a dollar for each weekly bonus episode. You can get discounts for signing up for the whole year, and if you're on Apple, you can even give it a free trial for three days to see if you're enjoying it and it all works okay. Anyway, you've now listened to me bang on about this enough. Enjoy yourselves, enjoy the podcast, here's a free bonus episode to show you the kind of thing you'll be getting each week. It's the inimitable John McWhorter. I hope you enjoy listening to it and get value from it, and that it feels like an extra episode each week. So what is your favorite word?
0: Happened to. um, in, in, In the sense of saying, well, it happened to come about that or she happened to plant a garden. I find it very useful because sometimes you need to convey that somebody didn't do something on purpose, or that something happened that was not the focus of what you meant to talk about. It's a great way to gently shift people's perspectives on what you're saying, to render something contingent. I, I like happened to. It's something I find useful, and I wish more people would use it.
1: Wow, is that a, is that a word? One is that. Was it two words?
0: I would call it a, it's a concept. And so it uses the word happen. But if you think about it, happen means something. It means to occur. Happen to is a different word that is formed with the two words happen and to. So it depends on what you call a word. But for me, my favorite word would be happen to.
1: I like using it. Wow. That's a great answer. I'll leave it to you. to It's the most, you know, usually people just say like, Apple or something. Um, (laughs) But it is your job. Uh, What is your least favorite word?
0: Um, It's not a word. I would say that the thing that I least like hearing people say is I don't give two shits. (laughs) I I find that just such a vulgar thing to refer to (laughs) unless you absolutely have to. I just feel that, you know, it makes me think of the person doing it. And also partly it's because, you know, I'm a male and a straight one and I usually when I hear people say I don't give two shits, it's a woman. And there's a tiny, indefensible part of me that, you know, thinks of women and sexy (laughs) not necessarily more delicate but i don't want to think of a woman producing two pieces of feces and so yeah i would say that two shits is my least favorite word
1: oh you're so old-fashioned why don't you i love thinking of women and cut to physical shits <laughs> yeah i
0: haven't i haven't got to that point yet
1: oh my god that was in the book as well and i was cracking up reading yeah. it because i had only yeah. thought of it i guess metaphorically i'd never thought of the literal meaning of giving two shits and now that is forever ingrained in my mind too so thank you for that <laughs> sure uh, what turns you on creatively spiritually or emotionally
0: what turns me on most is finding something counterintuitive Mm. I, I don't like lists. I want to learn something that I wouldn't have expected. That to me is central in terms of creativity, in terms of what you might call the spiritual. Learning something new and specifically something that you wouldn't have expected. That yeah. to me is the ultimate turn turnoff.
1: Yeah. You've just described your book, I think, or the experience of reading your book.
0: <laughs> I hope so.
1: <laughs> what turns you off?
0: I am very turned off. By virtue signaling. It's something that I find truly revolting and I look back on myself as a kid and I realized that before that term existed, I didn't like it. I really don't like it when people do things that they ordinarily wouldn't and often that are harmful or that take energy away from other things just to show that they are good people. And, you know, more specifically, human tribalism bothers me there's a basic impulse that a lot of there's a basic impulse to humanity to have a tribe and of course it's it's basic to an extent and of course you want human connection but there's a certain point that comes soon where tribalism often makes people first of all as we all know do really mean things but then also just to turn the brain off and to not think about things that they might otherwise think about, because your tribe is supposed to think about it in a certain way. That aspect of humanity is my least
1: favorite. That's amazing. I've got nothing to add to that, because that's perfect. I don't want to be too sycophantic because I've sound tribal about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I wish it were more natural to humans to be individual but it isn't it's hard to be an individual you don't want to be an most people don't want to be an individual but if you're not a joiner and i'm not a joiner then you look at the rest of humanity and you think boy a lot of you might find it gratifying to be less tribal. And I think a lot of them would look at me and think that I seem peculiar and you know sterile and hostile and that I need to be more like them. And for all I know, they might be right. But yeah, I would say that viscerally, that's my answer to that question.
1: Yeah, I definitely join your tribe on that one. Um, so <laughs> what is your, it's a good one for you, actually, this, these questions. What is your favorite curse word?
0: I like motherfucker. It just, um, it makes me laugh. It reminds me of a lot of black pop culture of the late 20th century. It's got a relatively interesting history. It's, it's just, that's, that's my favorite one.
1: So Bruce Willis is very American um, and, and sexy action hero. Um, is a motherfucker a person who fucks mothers or is it a mother who is fucking other people?
0: And see, it's none of those things. And so part of what motherfucker is fun for is that it does not mean what its components mean, which shows that that happens in language a lot. We call it in linguistics non-compositionality and motherfucker is the ultimate in that. What it really is, is a refreshing of fucker. You You can technically call somebody a fucker. But that's a little old-fashioned. It's a little specialized. Oh. Motherfucker just adds a bit of weight to it and makes it stronger. Fucker now feels a little bit namby-pamby. Motherfucker feels like what fucker used to feel like.
1: like the ultimate fucker.
0: Yeah, yeah, a real fucker. The because, alpha, you know, alpha after fucker. After all, if it's, you're going to do it with your mother, right. And so, yeah, fucker,
1: motherfucker. <laughs> um, what sound or noise do you love?
0: The sound of a Broadway orchestra pit in the 1930s, it was a really beautiful sound that the arrangers and orchestrators would make back then, even when the musical wasn't a good one. But that sound of an overture to a musical back then or just the accompaniment to the songs people sang, I think that is the most beautiful sound I have ever known. That's a peculiar thing about me. That's another side of my life, but that would be the the most beautiful sound. So no, not the singing of whales, not birds or something like that, but it would definitely be that sound of an orchestra in say nineteen thirty six on the new york stage
1: wow, i'm going to look that up. I'm just imagining all the tuning that i'm for modern orchestras, mm-hmm. you know the tuning sounds or the right right yeah. um yeah so go on. Uh, so what sound or noise do you hate
0: um, I am deeply offended by something that happens a lot in an American city. um it happens a lot in New York City. A certain kind of guy, usually in the teens or 20s, drives through the city with their music turned way, way, way up. And you have to feel the bass in their music as you sit quietly in your house. And the music that they're playing is invariably a music that they like, but that a lot of other people don't. And that could be rap. That could be heavy metal. That could be some sort of, you know, Latino pop. And it's really loud because sound systems now can do that. And I can see that those guys think of their music as absolutely wonderful. And it doesn't occur to them that everybody doesn't like their music as much as they do. I get that. It took me decades to understand that all people didn't like the music I like as much as I do, such as the sound of a Broadway in 1936. So these guys think that they're making the world a more joyous place. But frankly, I don't want to hear their music while I'm sitting and trying to read a book. And I find that aspect of young masculinity just really obnoxious. That's my least favorite sound, that you're just sitting there and all of a sudden you're listening to some lyric being screamed and some beat being pumped into your belly. That's my least favorite sonic experience.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Even on the, on the just before starting this, somebody someone outside was doing it, outside my apartment. Um, yeah. god I've gone American there apartment outside my flat um, <laughs> and it actually put me in a foul mood it actually I was so wound up by it and I, th- I wanted to go out and say like do you know I might be and then you just like when did I get this old because it's such a cliche and the two of us yeah. moaning about people playing their music too loud exactly yeah oh, god um, 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 what profession other than your own would you like to attempt
0: M- musician um, sometimes I think I should have been um, a pianist, or some kind of instrumentalist, or even just a music history teacher. Mm. Yeah, if I if I were going to do it again and try something else, it would be being a professional musician.
1: Yeah, that's nice. What profession would you not like to do?
0: I wouldn't want to be a corporate lawyer or a tax lawyer. Those people look like they have the dullest jobs in the world. Which, if you talk to somebody and you find out that's what they do, I would. For that to be what you engage in detail as your career, somebody has to do it. But I always look at them and I think, God, I'd I'd kill myself after a (laughs) week.
1: Yeah, I don't understand it either, actually. People often say that, or they say accountant is the other one people often say.
0: That one's bad too, but your corporate, and even though they make money, but just what you would have to do every day, and you have to dress well in order to do it. Oh, no,
1: no. (laughs) No, no, no. no. Um, If heaven (laughs) exists, what would you like, and I don't think it does, but what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates?
0: That he doesn't exist that's what i would it would be a, a, a rather bizarre thing but to arrive there Ugh. and to have god actually explain that there's no such thing as them and then disappear <laughs> like you know, a black hole something like that that's what i would want to hear
1: that's the best answer i've ever had for that i love that <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. You've been a wonderful audience. And I hope that little dive into virtue signaling, tribalism and swearing has made you consider signing up to hear those bonus episodes every week to get ad-free episodes and early access to the full episodes. You can sign up on patreon.com slash andrewgold and then listen either on the Patreon app, the website, or you can just get a link from Patreon that you put into Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts uh, and some other platforms and just listen there. I can help to explain that as well. Just get in touch. Or you can sign up on Apple subscriptions if you have an iPhone or Apple laptop. Uh, You can just find On The Edge with Andrew Gold there and click to sign up. And there's also YouTube memberships. That's enough from me. And I will see you, well, not next week, but in a few days. Looking forward to it.